Welcome, this is Coppercasts, a show dedicated to exploring the wonderful, if somewhat technical, world of institutional investment in crypto assets. I'm your host, Tyler Kenyon. And our guest today is Jesper Johansson, founder of Northstake, a Nordic staking provider. Welcome, Jesper. Thank you. So let's start at the beginning, uh, a very good place to start. Um, give us your background, because it's maybe a little bit unusual for us to be speaking to uh, a Danish staking provider or even someone in crypto from, from Denmark. So like, how, did, how did that happen? Tell me about the, the history. Well, I'm happy to, um, to be here and happy to uh, um, introduce myself, but I have to get back to you on the Danish crypto thing <laughs> because there are a lot of Danes who are actually, um, I would say, superstars in this space. But uh, my name is Jesper Johansson. I'm the founder and CEO of North Stake. We are the Nordic leading staking provider uh, and we were founded uh, in November last year. And my background is in business. I have an MBA from Copenhagen Business School, then did international business as well, and sort of spent a decade in technology and management consulting, uh, worked four years for a technology, co- technology management consul- uh, consulting company. Then moved on to uh, Deloitte for four years where I headed up um, life science strategy and, and, and technology, and then moved on to Accenture, where I spent 18 months before I jumped ship and uh, founded Northstake, yeah. On the face of it, it's quite a big departure to go from management consulting to a staking provider, like founding a staking company. So y- you must have been dabbling your toes in the crypto world for a while before that. So, I mean, what's your own origin story? When was the first time you heard about Bitcoin or, or bought some? What was that experience like? That's a great question. Yeah, and yes, so um, I think I bought my first Bitcoin and Ethereum back in late 2016-17. It sort of came about because I was working with uh, blockchain technology and distributed ledger technology, working on use cases that could be applied in the, in the life science space, mm. advising clients on how to leverage this new technology. And I think back then it was still we were still grappling with this new technology, trying to figure out what it was. And crypto was sort of, you know, something that came along blockchain and we didn't really know what to do with it, at least from sort of the industry at, you know, corporate adoption perspective. So were they looking at it more from like a um, like supply chain management or identity management or just just trying to figure out if it could be used in that space at all? Yeah, you have all of the, I think, well-known use cases back mm. then and they were trying to figure out how to how to do that. And, you know, you were looking at both permissioned and, 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 and not, uh, permissionless blockchains back then. And I think the, the, it was not a very good answer, but the answer was always, well, you need to build the community out. You need to, you know, collaborate with your, with your, with your peers and your, co- you know, competition in order to make this work. And, and, and no CEO were willing to, to, <laughs> to bet, bet investments on, on that ever going to happen. And then you had this crypto thing on the side. And, and I was looking at, back then I was looking at Bitcoin and Ethereum and, People were on about, you know, it's 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 it was it was sort of the start of a bull run, and 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 I said, okay, fair enough. I believe in Bitcoin, but I believe more in Ethereum because I saw it had utility. So I actually bought Bitcoin, but substantially more Ethereum, and then I said, all right, put it on a stick, chuck it in the closet. I'm not going to look at it for the next ten years, and then. Did you keep that promise? No, <laughs> but I still have it. So okay, it's like five years good. later. <laughs> Sorry, five years later, it was like, oh my goodness, this is this is this is this is growing now. Right? This is this is really 
this is really going somewhere. But at some point you made the like the decision to start your own business, you know, a staking business. So, I mean, what motivated that decision uh, and setting up that business? I mean, what kind of challenges did you face? Because I know like from, from Copper's perspective, you know, one of the first challenges, you set up a business in any country that's just a normal business. You go to the bank, you get a bank account, you can pay your staff, you know, job's done. In crypto, like just getting a bank account four or five years ago was almost impossible. So, I mean, yeah. did you did you guys have those challenges in the Nordics as well? Or, or did it seem like a more welcoming environment for crypto entrepreneurs? Well, you know, I definitely recognize that, but I would also say that the the sentiment, the attitude is is changing. You feel it, um, but yeah, these challenges ex- exist. And why would you then still do it? <laughs> and that I think uh, ties into um, the most recent investment that I made in in, in crypto blockchain, which was in a, in a layer one blockchain called Concordium that launched out of uh, uh, Denmark, Switzerland, and. I made the investment and recognized immediately that this is proof of stake. It needs to be staked. Who can stake it for me? I looked at all of the regular staking providers, but then I actually figured out that that not only was staking as a service for, um, let's say, high net worth individuals and all the way up to institutional investors, a you know significantly you know there's just huge gap in the market, um, it's it, it sort of extended into crypto asset management service providers as a whole, right? And then the idea about founding North State came about and uh, we we work, I worked a lot on it for you know, about, a, about a year and then uh, six months ago uh, with a very strong team on board, we decided, oh, right, now's the time. So, um, so why Concordium though? Because I, it's a name that's popping up more and more. It's got a growing community and, and growing presence. Um, what attracted you to the Concordium protocol? Well, a couple of things, and and this I think ties back into the origin story as well. Because in order for us to have corporate adoption of blockchains, we cannot have anonymity. Right? Corporations need to understand who they're dealing with. It's part of their corporate governance, it's part of their processes. And a blockchain, that, no, a blockchain, you know, Concordium as a blockchain that came along and said, all right, we have you know, ID at the protocol layer, we have KYC if you want to open an account. Uh, it's still permissionless, it's, it still aims to be decentralized. And then the team surrounding Concordium for me, sort of tick the boxes of you know a very interesting and promising project. But as it is in, I think for many of for all of you know, new blockchain projects launching, it's it's still very high risk. But you know, I was looking at this team and think, okay, you have people there with a very strong track record from what you would consider you know uh, top tier. Uh, Industry companies like IKEA, Volvo, uh, Maersk, so on and so forth, and and um, and also a very strong connection to to the crypto world and the blockchain world. And coming back to your comment earlier, um, some of the founding fathers of blockchain technology and cryptology, uh, cryptography, in actually originate from Denmark and are part of this team. So you have uh, Ivan Damgård, for instance, who 
may not be as well known as 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 Merkel in in the Merkel Damgård hashing function, but he is actually from Denmark, and all blockchains are actually being hashed together using hashing algorithms that they invented. You also have Torben Peterson, who by many cryptographers are considered to be the you could say the grandfather of zero knowledge proofs. So. Denmark actually has a very strong track record, I would say, in developing blockchain technologies. Maybe we need to get some some marketing budget over to the Denmark so they can popularize this a bit more. Maybe we should get some <laughs> yeah. the Copenhagen, you know, proof of stake conference or something. That sounds yeah. that sounds good to me. Um, let's talk a bit about your clients then, because um, you, you, as you say, you know, you've got that range of you know high nets up to like full institutions, but staking as itself, um, you know, DeFi, it's it's not for the risk averse. So, I mean, w- are you still having to do a lot of education towards your prospective client base to dispel myths or to, you know, lay out what the actual, you know, security concerns are or ramifications? And, you know, how are they understanding the space now? I mean, has that changed over the last year? Is it changing going forward? Just talk to me a little bit about that conversation you have with clients. Yeah, so I think they they sort of fall into two categories, right? They fall into you know traditional finance. We understand economics. We understand the finance. We underst- we think we understand some of the terminology, uh, but they didn't earn. Uh, sorry, they didn't own the the decision to invest in a in a in a digital asset. But now here it is on your balance sheet, on your portfolio, in your portfolio. What what are you going to do, right? And some of them are just like, take it, you need to figure out how to, you know, I just don't want to know about it because I have, you know, <laughs> the, I don't know. the FOMO argument. I have a lot, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have a lot of interesting stuff over here I'd rather do. That's someone I'm, I meet them sometimes. But we also have the ones who are very curious about it, right? Because they, they, they understand, as I said, the economics, finance part of it, but they, what, they, what they know that they don't know is the technology. Now I notice that a lot of the people who are coming on to your show are from traditional finance or with finance backgrounds, and um, and some of them have technology backgrounds as well. But it's very much on the technology piece that we are guiding and educating uh, the investors, right? Because what does it mean to stake? What does it mean to be a part of the network? What does it mean to ensure consensus? Why is that important? And why are you getting paid for that? And and all these questions come up. And um, unless you venture out to know some sort of analogy, it has to become a technical conversation at some point, which means that that people need to people need to educate themselves. And I guess the technology is so new and so complex that to create an analogy back to traditional finance or anywhere else so that they understand it, it might actually just further confuse things, right? Because there aren't any really <laughs> perfect analogies to, no. you know, <laughs> proof of stake and zero knowledge proofs and things no, like no, that. No, no, no. I mean, it's, yeah. So, I, so yeah. the conversations are long then as well, right? Like <laughs> the sales so cycle <laughs> isn't as tight as it could have been. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. No, but you're right. It is long. It is long. And it, 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 it Know, the, the commerce, but, but you know these are very smart people as well. So um, you can maybe start out with an analogy and sort of latch onto that. But then 
very soon they figure out there's something here that I don't know, and then we 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 we, we venture into to more technical discussions. And and I think the commonalities for that I, the commonality I see with institutional investors is that they all look for risk, right? They want to understand what is the risk so that they can either minimize the risk or defer the risk or whatever it is. And, and, and just dealing with, with Nordstick as well is about understanding who we are and what we say and is what, you know, the things that we say, is that also the fact? And once we sort of pass that hurdle, I think it, the conversation comes very natural and then it becomes, okay, so what can I actually achieve with you know, the investment that we have in, in crypto assets or digital assets and, and what do you what do we see as as you know uh, the future of staking are they typically more interested in that sort of like passive income um, that you can get from staking or do they are they continually coming to you and, and looking for knowledge and advice on the wider ecosystem like you know does eth merge come up in conversations are, are they worried or do they wonder about 2.0 Ethereum displacing other proof of stake blockchains because of the dominance of the Ethereum blockchain as it stands. Like, where does Ethereum factor into your conversations? Well, Ethereum factors in a lot. Um, not, not necessarily on on. Uh, that's funny enough. That's not necessarily a technical discussion because I think a lot of people understand or think they understand at least. You know what they've heard about Ethereum. They know that it's you no. Know, um, they know it either as the world computer or you know the number two on on, <laughs> on coin market cap, but uh, but they understand that you know the risk associated with investing in Ethereum is marginally lower compared to let's say a, a new and upcoming project that you've never heard about and and it's extremely liquid and then you have all of DeFi of course as well right so I think the conversation start is starting to. S- about okay how do I stake what is uh, liquid staking with regard to to, to ethereum uh, you know why should I do that as opposed to just stake ethereum and what are the expected yields uh, so on and so forth right because now they've actually accepted that uh, ethereum as a digital asset right mm-hmm. so if I think back over the la- past couple of years and and this would have been when you were making your transition from consultancy into you know crypto entrepreneurialism 2020 was like summer of DeFi. it like exploded out of nowhere a lot of rug pulls a lot of gains a lot of losses but it was everywhere 2021 nfts again everywhere 2022 what is it is, is staking going to be the the thing for 2022 or you know what do you see as the the trend for the rest of this year it depends on whether we're going to see the merge or not mm. <laughs> because if we're going to see the merge um Last uh, last I checked, I think it's postponed at least until some, uh, October, November, something like that, right? If it takes place, I think it will ignite a big staking market, um, maybe the biggest we've 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 seen, um, and and if not, I think you know I think we'll continue to see uh, an uptake in 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 sorry in, 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 in NFTs definitely. Yeah. Do you think if that staking you know really takes off? Is it, is it really going to show the institutional participation in the space or do you think it'll still be quite retail driven? I think that Ethereum, Ethereum, is, is, Ethereum can almost be this perfect storm 
coinciding with you know amenable regulation let's call it friendly signaling from the US <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> perhaps we'll even see you know very large allocators such as you know fidelity or blackrock actually making bets into this space now not only talking about it but mm-hmm. significantly increasing their exposure you know there's there's almost this perfect storm lined up and ethereum is taking place you know critical role in that because if you are a fund manager or if you are a family office or if you are a capital allocator you are looking at and you're looking at the digital portfolio you will be thinking about all right what do i need in order to you know what liquidity do i need in order to maximize the opportunities that exist in in this space and being presented to me so the passive side of that strategy is is staking it starts with staking because as opposed to defi where you know you have suddenly a, a, a risk of rock calls and hacks and everything else that we've seen staking and especially ethereum staking because it's so liquid it it, it becomes the closest that you can c- get to let's say a risk-free return in this space right so the active active strategy versus the passive strategy, I think, is something that we'll we'll see play out more. I, you know, I'm, I, you know, I have, I've met with investors in this space where they say, well, we hold, you know, X amount of thousands and hundreds of thousands of ETH, but we do not stake it. And my question is then, okay, so what is your strategy? Of, because you know. The bottom 20% of that, are you going to sell that within the next three, four, five years? And the answer is no. <laughs> they, they'll probably sell, you know, use the top 20% for posting collateral, all these mm-hmm. kind of things. But the bottom 20 will never touch. And then the question is, okay, so why aren't you staking it? You know, never mind Lido and liquid staking. Why aren't you staking it just on the Ethereum blockchain? Because you would be better off by doing it. And then they start to scratch their head and they go like, um, but yeah, we don't necessarily technical technical capabilities. We don't understand. And, 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 and this is sort of some of the proof points, at least I see that there will be an emerging market of crypto asset service providers who understands the, the, the sort of the core blockchain infrastructure can marry that into what is both decentralized finance, shield generation, um, and traditional finance, all these things come together, right? And that's, you know, from a, also starting a new business, from a talent perspective, that's a, that's a daunting task. Yeah. Finding people who can you know, understand both, that's that's really challenging. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that with, with a few people, um, especially in the context of, you know, traditional finance. You, you look at all the people leaving, you know, the street or the city here in the UK, um, it's an enormous amount of top talent leaving the banking world, coming into crypto to either, you know, improve or replicate or, you know, whatever, just try and marry those two industries. So I, I find it hard to believe that any of the banks are going to be able to do this on their own. They're not going to be able to acquire the talent back because the people want to work in, in these crypto environments, the like blockchain environments, whatever. So it's, it, it's going to be really fascinating. I don't know, five, ten years maybe. Um, I agree. I agree. And even even no. Let let me try to give you a, no even no worse. I don't know. But let me try to give you an example which is which is mind blowing. 
So many of the early adopters of, of blockchain and sort of core developers, right, that you need on all the projects, they'd made, they made a ton of money on Ethereum early on, writing DeFi, writing smart contracts, so on and so forth. So now you have, you know, core talent that you need who are financially independent, mm. um, who don't really think of, no, office hour doesn't apply to them. Mm. They only work on what they think is interesting and fun. They couldn't care less about brand. Yeah, they basically work <laughs> where they want, when they want. Exactly, exactly. So, so and then you look at established brands like from the street or the city, or you look at you know established brands from consulting, and they're all trying. Ah, but we got these people. We're trying to attract these. People. We're attracting these people, and it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Like what incentives do they really have to offer? You know, core developers. I can't yeah. think of any anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what's next for North Stake then? Because I mean, we know a little bit about you and, and what you've built. Um, you don't have to give away the whole product roadmap, but you know what's what's exciting on the on the horizon that we should be looking out for. So I think up until this point, it has been uh, staking has been very much driven by you know connect your wallet, earn passive income, and from an in institution point of view, through custodians like yourselves, um, how can I stake? Um, and then there's certain certain assets that can be offered, so on and so forth. And you also have very large uh, infrastructure players, Figment, uh, Block Daemon, in this space. But they all it's, it's you know that's technology, it's infrastructure. It all relies on the fact that you actually know how to operate these things, right? Our view is, our belief is that there will be many institutional investors out there who are looking for a service provider who can help bridge that gap. Uh, by that I mean, you know, to give you an example, have a client come in and say, here's, uh, here's two million euros or US dollars. I need those to you know, come into these stakeable positions. Can you uh, help me do that? And that means taking custody of clients' assets, making sure that they can, they can be traded on different exchanges, uh, also traded uh, OTC, then deployed into uh, staking positions and hold that long-term in an in a, in a environment. And, and that's, the f that's the future for us, right? That is the, the simplicity in, in in ensuring yes, as a as an institutional client, institutional investor, that you know I can deploy capital, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to you know uh, be done in an efficient and, and effective way, and not caring too much about wallets, infrastructure, technology, all those kind of things. I guess one of the big caveats to that is a, a regulatory environment that enables or allows at least this to to go forward. Do you have any? not concerns, but like uh, from Denmark or from you know, Europe versus the US or versus Asia, will Denmark be the forever home of North Stake? Or do you think a, a regulatory environment might appear elsewhere that is more attractive and, and would attract you there because that's where the capital goes or that's where the technology and the developers go? Like, what, Where do you foresee the, the shakeout of the regulatory arbitrage jeopardy that we're all seem to be playing right now? Well, that's a great question. and. That's you know one of the reasons why we founded a company in Denmark, um, was was because Denmark is Denmark is is, is perceived as a as a transparent uh, sorry transparent country, very low corruption you know 
regulatory framework and regulators that you uh, can 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 interact with. And Nordstake holds a virtual asset uh, service provider license and permissions with uh, the Danish FSA. We are yeah we also being being um, ISA thirty four zero two SOC one audited, and all of that has to do with the. That has to do with the, the, the trust uh, and security for institutional investors to know that you're not dealing with a company that you know is illicit in any way, and it helps bring that legitimacy to Nordstake long term because the people who will or the companies that will succeed in this business going forward will be the ones who understand how to, from an institutional investor point of view, remove. Know the counterpart or re- reduce the counterparty risk, and you know uh, build a brand that that um, that institutions understand that okay, this is yeah, you're not <laughs> gonna get fired from choosing your stake. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there's gonna be this like split, and half of digital assets, crypto assets, cryptocurrency will go down the road of accepting or an understanding that requirement for KYC and AML and permission pools and you know something that's above board whereas there will be a sizable portion of the community that would rather have things more anonymous and more libertarian or free and do you think more capital will go that way or the other way I don't, I don't know. or will it not unfold like that at all no, but I, I, I think I, I don't think it's an either. I, th- I think they will coexist. So you know, regardless that we are you know DK based and and and, and a Nordic um, sort of crypto asset service provider or virtual asset service provider, we have clients um, globally, right? We have clients in Southeast Asia, in 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 all of Europe, and also in South America, and 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 those are clients that choose us. Because of the transparency and, and and security and so on, but then there are also clients that we uh, say no thank you to uh, because we cannot onboard them from an AML perspective or KYC perspective. They cannot show us where the funds came from, or um, they you know want to you know stake or acquire. Uh, tokens from networks that are very, you know, anonymity driven. Mm-hmm. So, and they will still exist, but they ca- because they can exist in a decentralized world. However, I think, well, come to think of it, it's almost like we're back at, you know, when when cash was a thing, right? It's you no, know, that's anonymous. You can sort of trade that, and now it's just digital, right? So, mm-hmm. um, the anonymity of of cash in the old days, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, coins and notes. That almost translates into the the you know, the the chains that offer that those kind of services today, right? And then you have um, a more transparent economy running next to it. And I think history has showed us that you know which economy will 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 mm. see the most growth and and and. and but I, th- I do think that they will they will sort of coexist in, in, in that world. I wonder if there'll be a corollary one day, like, you know, my grandma still sends me birthday cards with $20 note in it, $20 note in it. Maybe <laughs> that's the, sweet. The, the grandchildren <laughs> of the future will get like 20 bucks worth of Dogecoin in a wallet that's unregistered. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, yes, but before we cut you out of here, um, there's 10 questions we ask everyone. So I'm going to run them through them with you, if you don't mind. Yeah. Cool. So 
Where do you see the staking industry in one year versus 10 years? I, so in one year, I think, fingers crossed, Ethereum will, will merge and um, a whole host of other factors will, will play out and then we'll see uh, a tremendous, tremendous boom in, 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 in staking. 10 years from now, I think, gosh, that's a long time. 10 years from now, I think it will be, you know, it will be uh, a way, it, 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 I get this analogy all the time that, that, that um, staking is very much akin to like a fixed income product. Um, I understand the analogy, but I also think that staking is different. But I do think that, um, that, that staking will be sort of uh, the first layer of yield generation on a blockchain and if blockchains is the future of the internet, then we will just see a democratization of yield generation and value creation through staking, which will be, I think, almost like you know, something that you, you will do naturally mm. because the usability of staking will be very easy. You can just you know, tap in and out of a staking position and you'll see your, your tokens accrue value. Uh, yeah. If there's one thing you could change about the industry, what would it be? The consensus mechanism in Ethereum. Is there one piece of technology in your own life that you couldn't live without? Yeah, I'm going to hate myself for saying this, but uh, probably my phone. On your weekends, if you get time off, what do you find yourself doing? I prioritize spending time with my family. So my wife and uh, our two lovely kids. Do you have any catchphrases or mottos that you live by? Yeah, challenge your assumptions. Who should we all follow on Twitter? The Ukrainian Prime Minister. Mm, good chat. What was the last thing that surprised you? My daughter. Who's the next guest we should have on the show? Rune Christensen from MegaDAO, founder of MegaDAO. Good chat. Last question. If you somehow managed to meet Satoshi, but you only got to ask one question, what do you want to know? See, I've heard this question before. Everybody says his, uh, his keys. We've had some interesting <laughs> answers to this question. So <laughs> what, do you, what do you want to know? Um, We've got a private audience with Satoshi. Congratulations. And I think I don't have any questions. Just congratulations. I wonder if he's got that enough. I don't know how many people just offer him good wishes and congratulations. That's that's probably a good one. You know, I actually work on the assumption that it's a she. Yeah. Fair. Okay. Are there any movies that you can watch over and over again and never get tired of? Yeah. Coming to America. Oh, classic. <laughs> Great film. Cool. Okay, um, that's it, man. Thanks Fantastic. very much, Jeff, for coming in. Amazing. We'll see you again very soon. And to our listeners, if you haven't already seen Jesper's show and tell video, please go to our YouTube page, or you can find it on Twitter at CopperHQ, or find it on the website, copper.co forward slash insights. There you can also sign up for our newsletter, which includes links to all the week's top stories, as well as any updates from the wider team here at Copper. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please give us a good review in whichever streaming platform you're using. And if you want to get in touch, you can always reach me, Tyler, on Twitter at CryptoTSK, or you can email me directly, tyler.canyon at cover.co. If you'd like to be a guest on our show, or if you know someone who should be, we're here to talk all things institutional crypto. And the show is only made possible because of the technical and creative wizardry of Tally Spear, with support from Mailey Mountfort and Eva Leela. 
new episodes coming out soon. And in the meantime, stay safe.